Jay, what is your superpower and how did you come to identify it? Well, I actually have an ear uh, for dialogue. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I'm a very social person. I, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, with my friends, uh, smoking a little weed and drinking and, and enjoying, having fun. And um, I'm able to kind of, uh, and I think a certain number of comics are, 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 and filmmakers are like this, where you can pick up chunks of dialogue, one, two, three sentences, four, five, six sentences, punchlines that come out of regular conversation. And I, I collect them and I, I take out my phone and I type in, the setup and the punchline or, or maybe three lines of dialogue. And they're just, they go in files. They go in a book file or a movie file or whatever file. Like I wrote, I just wrote a novel. I just finished a novel mm -hmm. and uh, I had a book file, with, you know, just little chunks of dialogue. And I'd go back and I'd go, oh, I want to put that dialogue in there. And you kind of, it's real dialogue because it was said, right? And so, yeah. and the, you know, the, the, the setup is sort of, you have to you have to bend your story to get to that to get to that joke that joke or that line and so i would say if i'm if if i were to like boil down what i'm best at it's it's uh it's dialogue where did this come from is this something that you've worked on or is it something you picked up from your parents like how did this I, I i i i truly believe it's just uh one of those things that humans are able to do Mm -hmm. You know, like some humans can hit a baseball. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not one of them. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, can hit, I, I can I can hit a golf ball. I can play tennis, but uh, I was always afraid of baseballs. Uh, they're just so hard. And kind of <laughs> like but uh, dialogue is is like uh, you know some some directors can write this the ideas and the thing. They're like, I can't write dialogue, and uh, uh, that's. You know. Do you feel like you're, because you say you're a social person and you're having these conversations, do you feel like sometimes you're limited to your experiences then when you write and when you create? Or do you feel like you can, you can write about anything or create anything? I think you should be somewhat limited to your experiences. Oh, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? You know, I think, I think what resonates uh, with people is that guy is telling the truth. You know, and I learned it um, from from Howard Stern. You mm -hmm. know, who who would, in the '90s when I would listen to him, I would everyone's like, "Oh, he's great, he's fantastic," and I was like, "I don't know," felt a little <laughs> bit uh, racist and a little bit for sure, like sexist yeah. and whatever. And I was like, I, "I don't. I guess it's not meant for people who aren't." Uh, you know, like if there was an Indian guy, they'd play that the the Indian music yeah. and they you know and whatever but he in my opinion became more became the smartest version of himself he did. Uh, and and uh, uh, kind of gave up on the the mob um, you know the mob is what the mob is like I, I I have a little wild animal in me too, and the mob sometimes wants to be tribal and wants to be racist, and I get it uh, and the mob you know the lowest common denominator of what the mob likes sexually is what it is, right so he used to do that he's decided to go a little more intellectual, and I find him to be really honest now, and what he basically his philosophy seems to me to be to be either to always be honest and always and try to be funny but if you're not funny be honest mm -hmm. and both are just as entertaining to the audience so to me like when you when you ask like are you am i limited by my experiences i think my experiences inform what i do and when i'm when i'm writing about what really goes on in my life that's when you can see people react to it and go ah that's what goes on in my life too and so, like, I've never been a cop, right? I've been a stoner. I could write the stoner, no problem. Yeah. But I've interacted with cops. And, you know, when you really, I've met a lot of cops now and, and whatever, military, and you realize, oh, they're just, 
people who, uh, for the most part, that was the best job they could get, or that's <laughs> the job they wanted. And they're kind of like, if you shave my head and I grow a mustache, suddenly I would look like a cop and I'd be a cop, right? I mean, you can go through the training and all that. Um, but I, you know, uh, the, the, the reality is you want to take the things that are honest and real and human and put them into whatever world you're in, whether we're highway patrol or whether we're the staff of a singles resort in Club Dread or we're a beer drinking team or waiters in a restaurant, you're still doing jokes that humans have between each other, right? And the fact that I live in Hollywood and whatever, play a lot of ping pong, okay. But I mean, the, the jokes that I have while I do that are jokes that I can stick into whatever movie I'm making. Um, do you find people appreciating that authenticity the best form of validation? What type of validation do you see with your work? Well, I, I, honestly, I think that the, the, there's a... There's an opportunity in show business to, um, you know, to sell out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's there every time. And it's always like, hey, just make a PG-13 movie, more people will go. Mm -hmm. And the grosses do back that idea up. You know, like PG-13 movies make more money in the theaters. R-rated movies make more money later. Mm -hmm. uh, the studios value theatrical money more than later money. But, you know, you can't be honest in a PG-13 movie in the same way you can be honest in an R-rated movie. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just figure I'll be less successful while still being quite successful. Mm -hmm. And I'll be able to be true so when you when you see the joke on the screen, it's actually the A joke, right? It's the first joke we wrote. Mm -hmm. In PG-13 movies, they write the A joke too, and they're like, well, we can't do that. Let's do this B joke, and it'll be almost as good. Mm -hmm. And so they do the B joke, and you see it on TV, and you see it in the PG-13 movies, and you're like, oh, that's pretty funny, <laughs> but it's not fully no joke, what the original joke was. And that's okay. You know, they, they make themselves feel okay with that and they spend their bigger checks uh, as a result. And that's what I would call uh, a, a level of um, compromise that, that, that we've decided we didn't want to do. But making that choice, you know, there are 12 and 13 year old kids and those kids need entertainment and, and some people make that choice and that's okay. It's just not, this is not my choice. Um, off camera, when we were talking, and even in interviews that I've been, uh, I've like I've heard you speak in, you talk about like for example, you you had you wanted to be something in this industry, and you, and you felt like for your story to be told or for you to have a presence, you had to direct and write yourself. Um, you also talk about how important editing is to be a a great director. Um, for someone that's starting out now, and you bootstrapped like the way you started, much more difficult it is th then than now. Like now, it's much more easier. If someone wants to get into filmmaking um, and they want to bootstrap um, and they're, let's say they're a writer, they're not an actor, they're a writer. What path do you think is the best to take? What would, I have a script, it's 90 pages. I don't know what the fuck to do with it. What advice would you give me? Move to Hollywood. Really? Yeah. Even with all this remote and all this Zoom and I'm talking to you, you think that's, that's the first step, eh? Well, I, uh, uh, no matter what, this yeah. business is, uh, is a business of human interaction. And is this bothering you, this fucking light thing? You want me to no, it, it, it's all right. But if, I, I'm sure it's bothering the uh, filmmaker in you. Anything, anything of mine bothering me in terms of light, just let me know. If anything, I can improve. You're looking good. You're just random. Hold on. Isn't that better? That is yeah. better. Yes. Um, so you said look, moving, move to Hollywood. Yeah, because the reality is, if you don't, if you don't move, um, sorry, I got mold on my, I got something on my hands. One second. No worries. 
I'll just do a commentary. Yeah. Beautiful house. Looks like he's done well for himself. Uh, hasn't been hasn't been affected by the riots so far. It looks like. Looks like he's look, looks looks like he's home alone. Nobody has rioted. In <laughs> um, yeah. So um, if if you write a script and you live in wherever Kansas City, Chicago, whatever, yeah, and you're a newcomer, it's. It, <laughs> The reason a lot of us read scripts at all, first of all, look, I'm, I'm writing a script right now. I'm writing a book right now, right? And the reason I, I would take time out of my day and not read and not fix my own script, which I'm being paid to do, right? Yeah. Is because, unfortunately, I met you. <laughs> and... Unfortunately. Like, well, I met you and you're yeah. like, hey, can you read my script? And I'm like... Okay, I'll take time out of my day, which I'm yeah. being paid to do. Yeah. And I'll read your script. Yeah. And then I'll try to get your... You're going to say, I'll read your fucking script. That's I'll what read you're your gonna... fucking script, right? Yeah, you're going to say I'll that. I'll get your dream going. Yeah. Well, I'm busy fucking working on my next thing. Yeah. But fine, I've met you. I'm going to do this yeah. for you because I know you. You're in Kansas City. I'm like, eh, fuck it. I'm never going to see not you. Gonna, yeah. I'm not going to read your script. Yeah. I'm not. And by the way, if your script never gets made, show business will go on without you. Mm -hmm. That's the reality is that, is that if you're not here hustling like everybody else, you're not going to meet me. That's interesting. And, and, and more than that, there's a whole group of people who are aged like, you know, I, I'd say age 18 to 25 and they're all you know they're trying to make it as actors they're trying to make it as writers they're trying to make it as assistants as agents they're trying to make it as producers they're trying to make it as directors camera uh cinematographers uh costume designers art they're all 18 to 25 and they're all going to parties they're oh. all hanging out and they're drinking and they're like ah we're friends and we're playing ping pong yeah. And then one of them's like, hey, I got wrote a script. Yeah, let's make it. And then they go make it. And then suddenly that is Johnny Knoxville and Spike Jones. Mm -hmm. And then that's Jackass. And now we're looking at Jackass 4, right? Yeah. Uh, in our case, I started this comedy group at Colgate. We hung out. We're like making short films, performing on stage. We're like, let's make a movie. Okay, we wrote it. Oh, let's get our friends together. Oh. We made the movie. Oh, we're in Sundance. Oh, everyone yeah. at Sundance sees us. They're like, oh, these guys are young. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly we're in LA and we're like, oh, let's get <laughs> these guys moving. You know, and that's the reality of, of the way it works is that you cannot make it in show business if you're not in LA. And frankly, you know, maybe New York, you could, mm -hmm. if you got to be writing for one of the late night shows, like, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live or, or, one of the talk shows, you can make it from, from there for sure. If you're not on one of those shows, because the writer's rooms for all the shows that shoot in New York are for the most part here in, in LA. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, even, wow. the, even these shows that, you know, I've shot on shows that work in New York, a couple of them, and they're all, they're sending us scripts from LA. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, uh, it's not talent-based. Sounds that's insane, really right? that's really interesting because I feel like a lot of people wouldn't. But that goes into like I feel like the most important thing you're saying is the networking aspect. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you, you're talented. That's gonna get you there somewhere. once you've met the people. But if you're just talented and you're in Nebraska, people are gonna be like, "We don't need you, pal. We're gonna make we're gonna make all these other movies without you." So, how, but how do you like, okay, how have you figured out networking without coming across looking like an opportunist? Because I feel like it's a fine line. Or does it even fucking matter? Like, how, what advice matter. would you, it does matter, right? So, what advice would you give when it comes to networking and treading that fine line? I always said, I'm, I'll never go to a single party because someone's there. Okay. I go to the party because I want to go to the party, 
or I don't go to the fucking party, right? I'm not there to meet somebody. I'm yeah. not there to meet someone specific. I'm not getting there and be like, where's George Clooney? I, that's not <laughs> how this works, right? If we, he and I are at the same party, we happen to cross paths, great. We'll chat. But it's not, that's opportunism. And that's, uh, you can smell it because it's just not. I mean, there's just like, there's just dick on your breath. There's just like, you can smell the dick, right? Yeah. And in, 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 in the case that I'm talking about is you get here and you go out. And everywhere you go, you're like, oh, I just saw you that other thing. Oh, and you run into people and you go and you, they're more, and it's so social. Mm-hmm. And that's the people now who are 18, 25, and in five years, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be agents, they're going to be producers, they're going to be directors, and, you know. And that's how that works. I mean, I have, I have friends who I used to, who, who came to my first screening of the film I made, Puddle Cruiser, uh, 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 in Park City at Sundance. One of them ran Warner Brothers for five years. One of wow. them ran Paramount for, for four years. You know, uh, some of them are like heads of agencies. Wow. You know, like they're in charge. These are people who we all hung out. So when they're like, God, I need this comedy to work, they're like, oh, I'll just call Jay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're at this position because you talk about from the 18 to 25 and partying, get to know, get to, get to, get to know one another. But you're at this point of your life where you probably have to say no more often than not. How have you figured out how to say no? Because for a lot of people, it's tough. For me, it's tough. You didn't say no to us. So have you figured out how to say no, or are you still struggling with it? Yeah, I didn't say no to you. I should. And, and you've said how you you always check your emails. So that means if you're always checking your emails, you're always on your emails, you're engaging. And you've always, you've also said, and you use Bill Burr as an example, the only way you can get shit done is if you stop distracting yourself, put shit away and just work on something for a really long time. So how have you figured out how to say no? Your kids are here. They're right. I got to close the windows. Oh, okay. Don't worry. Leaf blowing up. I'll just do some more commentary. Thank you. It looks like uh, he hasn't gained much weight since uh, the first Super Troopers. He looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Jay Chandrasekhar is uh, originally, uh, his parents are from India. He's, uh, I don't know if he speaks Tamil, but Tamil background. It's really creepy because I researched you. His wife's name is, I think, is Susan Clark. That's right. Has a has a boy named William, and I don't know his daughter's names, but I'm, I think they're twins. Is it really creepy that I know all that? Is that is that all factual? Was I right? I think you said my wife's Susan Clark. Is that the right Susan Clark? Right, and your uh, son's name's William. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm a, in w- Wikipedia in my head. Um, so yeah, have you figured out how to say no? Yeah. How do you I say do no? In advance. So what do you mean? I, I say. People say, hey, can I send you my script? And I go, well, <laughs> you can. I said, yes, you can. I said, I will warn you, there are scripts on that pile that are six months old. Okay. So you can wait six months. I will respond. And when I do, it's probably going to be too late. I can't help you. Oh, damn. Okay. However, if you can wait six months and you've written something that I love, and you haven't set it up with somebody else before, then I can help you. So in a way, you're still saying yes, though. You're still, it's an eventual yes, right? Well, that, you know, a year can go by. And you're like, hey, you read that script? I'm like, ow, fuck, I gotta read that fucking thing. You're just putting shit off. (laughs) I I got a pile of, you know, eight, 10 things sitting there. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, searchlight, is waiting for me to turn in this draft of this new script for which they're paying me money. Yeah. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I used to sit and take time off to read other people's shit. And I'm like, if I'm being paid to write something, uh, I decided I'm actually in show business for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm not in it for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I have... When I turn something in and I have some time, I knock through one or two things. 
And then I call them up and I say, here's, 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 how, to, here's how you should set this up. When someone's emailing you asking for a favor, asking you to read their script or asking you for an interview, what's like a couple of things you should do? And what are some things that you shouldn't do? Like, are there like certain things that you see this email, this guy said this word or formatted like this, like this, you're like, I'm not fucking replying back. Or something that, you know, if we're emailing you, there's a pitch involved, there's structure, you're saying yes. Do you have these certain rules that are sort of like subconscious or no? I mean, the only reason I said yes to you guys is because <laughs> um, you got to my publicist. IMDb and Pro. It's a beautiful $14 a month. It's well worth it. Yeah. I have an IMDb account. I did a couple of short films. So I'm like, hey, let's get... Now I got fucking Riz Ahmed's email. I'm like, hey, let's just shoot out some emails. <laughs> That's the trick. Riz's email is on, on that thing? Everyone's email is on IMDb Pro. Like, legit. I could get DiCaprio's agent. I could get DiCaprio's lawyer's email. <laughs> it's wild. It's well worth it. Well worth the 14 bucks. But sorry, go on. Wow. I should invest. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know... If he gets it, somehow I thought... <laughs> uh, well, okay, now we know. The reality is this. If you, if you have an idea and you're trying to do something uh, and you're not counting on me to do, you know, to call Warner Brothers and be like, hey, this rando you've never heard of wants to make a move. I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, the reality is... Everybody who's not in Hollywood thinks that we're fucking up and that they know better. And you know what you should make a movie about? And it's always about them. Mm -hmm. you know? It's always like, you should make a movie about the guy who changes the tires at the Firestone. <laughs> I'm like, what do you do? Did I change the tires at the Firestone? <laughs> that's usually how this works. You know, because we're all egomaniacs and we all just want to see ourselves on screen. I get it. But in order to do that, you got to write the script. You got to make. You got to go raise the money and get prove it. Everybody who's trying to make it has to prove it to some degree. Because why would we invest, send money to a total unknown when you could send money to somebody like me, who returns money to investors when they invest in an independent film? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying. Explain to me why you'd invest in a newcomer when you could invest in me. Yeah. And you go, well, it doesn't happen. Yeah. They go, ah, let's just invest in Jay's next film and we'll make the money back and we'll go to the party and it'll look cool. So it's, you got to realize that and go, well, rather than try to compete against people like, you know, me for independent film money, you got to go try to raise it outside of the, outside of the, you know, the studio's not going to give you money. Yeah. The independent film investors aren't going to give you money. They're going to give me money, yeah. right? Because I've made them money. So, so it's ultimately like you got to go, well, okay, if those things aren't going to work, I'm not going to try, waste my time with that shit. I'm going to get my friends. We're going to rent a camera. I'm going to bootstrap it. Shoot yeah. it myself. I'm going to edit it myself. And I'm going to send it to Jay and somehow get him to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um. You, you talk about drugs and obviously you talk about how they're not that bad. You just got to practice self-discipline, self-control. Uh, and I feel like discipline is the most important thing in life, no matter what. For me, it's sugar. I, you know, I eat all the time. Um, how have you mastered self-discipline uh, and self-control? Or do you still have these vices where you, you, you sort of give in? You have these Coke binges just like every Thursday. Like how have you mastered self-control and self-discipline? First of all, Sugar <laughs> is the is the thing that you need to. I'm trying the most. I'm going on keto. I'm on keto now. You know, you want the you want the you want the. Yeah, you know, I mean, the great thing about Hollywood is you learn all the greatest um, health uh, fads way before everybody else because you know. Yeah. You, you learn it from the actresses and the actors who are yeah. on camera. Uh, and the best one that I that I know and uh, is the um, intermittent fasting. And I do it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's sixteen hours. Sixteen hours. Yeah, I'm at. I, I'm at. It's been a week now. Eat at eight p.m. and then noon. Yeah, zero. That's the app I use. Good. Yeah. Do that. That works. 
No, but is but what 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 do you like? What's what does your nutrition look like? What is uh? How do you stay in shape? Self control? Have you have you mastered it? What what are you doing? I got to plug in. No worries. I'll do some more commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running out of things to say now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh. You know when you when you're when you're in a film and you're on a screen, you look at yourself and you're like, "God damn, am I really that fat?" Uh, and you are. <laughs> and so the next time, this happened to me at Verifest. I was like, I don't know. I was just I was just overweight, and and that was okay because we were on a beer drinking team. Yeah, and we thought, oh, that's. What we're gonna do, I remember we're talking to my friends in Broken Lizard about it, we're like, let's, let's eat and drink as much as we want, and let's be, because if you were on a beer drinking team, you really wouldn't be that skinny. Yeah. I mean, really, it wouldn't be good for the movie. But when you look at yourself, you're like, I have kind of a double chin, and you figure, I don't really wanna do that. I don't wanna, I don't wanna look like that anymore. Yeah. So you, that's one of the major drivers of why people out here get really skinny, get really skinny. Uh, but you know, it's ultimately, it's, it's just science. Like if you follow this intermittent fasting, the weight will come off you. What do and you do? What does your routine look like? I eat at 8 p.m. and then I eat at noon. At 12? Yeah, and anything you want or do you, calorie well, restrictions or? I used to eat a lot, uh, 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 like the zone diet, which is like, like fish uh, and vegetables and fruit. Okay. Or, chicken, vegetables, and fruit, or yeah. steak, vegetables, and fruit, right? Yeah. And kind of stay away from bread and all that stuff. Yeah. But this thing, this intermittent fasting, you can have a cheeseburger with a bun and whatever, french fries, and still the weight, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you still have to kind of go hike every day or play tennis or whatever, but I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, the, the reality is Indians are predisposed towards diabetes, and if you can get your get yourself uh fixed before it happens you're smart um no, t totally um have you done the uh, uh what's that the ancestry test where you no. send your spit okay yeah oh, but I, I have it sitting on my desk and i was Do like you? yeah i just, they already know everything about us you just send it it's interesting i'm, I'm like one percent afghani which is really interesting i'm south asian but when they came over, they got one of my grandma, grandmas. So it'd be interesting to see, you know. You're 1% Afghani. 1% Afghani. Any English in you? Probably, probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Doesn't say? Sorry? Uh, it, it, it says it doesn't say it's too minimal. It's like less than 1%, so it's too minimal for them to even say it. Uh, my ancestors weren't attractive enough for the English. Um, <laughs> who do you think of when I say the word successful? Um, it's so elusive success in show business, you know? But it doesn't have to be. Well, is that how you gauge success? Do you gauge success? I guess that is your sort of area of work so I, I i think of show business in particular because that's where yeah if you're not because i'm in it oh, okay because, interesting because the people in show business who succeeded have tricked life oh what do you mean by that well i don't do anything i don't want to oh okay i don't ever i i've never gone to work and been like oh man i gotta wow. go to work yeah, yeah. never not once and so when i was a waiter occasionally i'd be like i don't fucking do this shit yeah i go and i did it but i haven't spent a single day on set or writing or performing stand up not one day have i been like i'm gonna do this fucking thing i mean and so I say that about show business because I know those people have have tricked the system in a way. Like they are successful because, you know, as my mom said, if 
if you have to love your work because you're going to be doing it, um, you know, whatever is 60% of your waking hours. So if you don't love it, you're never going to, never going to be happy, right? You're never going to be happy. So, um, so you know, is, it like, is it like also emancip emancipation from routine as well? Is that what, what you like or is it financial emancipation? What do you value more? Is it the routine? Like the lack of routine or dictating the routine how you want? Or is it the, the money? Or is it a balance? Like how does it work? What do you think is more important? Well, I don't, I mean, the money is, is, is only relevant uh, up to the point where you can have enough that you don't have to worry about money. Yeah. But more money, who gives a shit about more money? You have enough money, I mean, to have a, have a place to live and a car and whatever, whatever yeah. you want to do. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't chase the money. Mm -hmm. I could have chased the money in a different way, but then I wouldn't be. PG-13 films. Well, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been like, at the end of the day, at the end of my career, I want people to look at me and go, he stayed pure, yeah. you know? And uh, that requires sacrificing money sometimes. But in terms of success, right? I mean, it's like, if you can survive making a living in show business. It's the best thing in the world. I mean, it's the best thing in the world. I mean, there's certainly people who've made it in like finance. My friends in finance, they all talk about when they get to retire. And I'm like, yeah. And do what? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I get to write books. I've, I've written now two books. I get to, I perform a lot of stand-up. I used to do that before the, the virus came. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I shoot a lot of television and I, and I make movies. And I'm like, I mean, I get paid for all of it. Uh, and, and not to talk about the money, but I'm, what I mean is like, I, they pay me for that. They yeah. don't even have to. I would love to do it anyway. But they, I mean, that's a... That to me is success. It's kind of like being an athlete. What do you what do you care about legacy though? Is that something you think about? I do, but it's so stupid to care about legacy. But I I do. Um, I, I I also think it's stupid, but my mind is changing a bit. Why do you care about it? I care about it because of impact. Because if you leave an impact, like for example, you had a huge whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, you had a huge impact on South Asians in North America when it comes to filmmaking. Cause you're okay. Oh, I could fucking do it. He directed, he went to Sundance and he didn't, he wasn't a clown about it. Like you didn't, you know, I don't want to take names, clownify our culture to get there. Yeah. So you, you left the legacy, whether you intended to or not, is that what's your reasoning? I feel like an impact is the right reason to leave a legacy. What is your reasoning and why do you think it's stupid too? I'd love to know. Cause you fucking die, right? Cause you fucking die. Who gives a fuck? Die. And, yeah. and uh, as my mother-in-law says, nobody cares about you. Right? <laughs> yeah. She's like, they care about themselves. Yeah. And how you can help them and how they're made better by hanging out with you. Maybe yeah. that, but not really. They don't care about you. And yeah. when you die, you know, there'll be a funeral and somebody will go, oh, the Super Troopers <laughs> guy died today. Oh, sad. Oh. And in a day or two. Yeah. So, you're a photo. And they'll, you know, they'll put up the films on the TV for a little while. And then that'll end, you know. Yeah. And you're like, it's so uh, elusive and uh, ephemeral and, and all of that. Now, while we're here. I like, I like it because I like to say fuck you to <laughs> uh, a society that thinks they have you uh, locked into a certain cage. And it's not just white society, it's brown society too, who's like, you should behave this way, you know, and you're like, watch me not and watch me succeed doing it my way, right? And they're like, you, you should make a movie, Indians are like, you should make a movie in India. And I'm like, okay, I mean, okay. <laughs> you know, like I wrote a wedding movie and they're like, it should be about how the Indian parents and the white parents and they don't yeah. get along. And I'm like, yeah, you've seen the other movie, you've seen uh, Bend It Like Beckham, right? Yeah. You've seen, okay, good, great, go watch that movie if you want. Perfectly good movie. 
perfectly good movie, but I'm just not making that, I just don't happen to be making that movie. And it's like, and as a result, it becomes, you become hard to sort of pigeonhole a little bit. They're like, I really would prefer it if you behave this way. You know, it was, it was always like the way I kind of looked at like the movie business when I was coming into it, I'm like, if I succeed more than any other Indian has ever succeeded except for Ben Kingsley, I'll be the guy who sells Brad Pitt a pack of cigarettes in the mini mart before he goes and, 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 and fucks Jennifer Aniston in the movie. And I want to be the guy who goes and fucks Jennifer Aniston in the movie. Yeah. Right? The only way I can do that is if I write the fucking movie. Yeah. Cast it and direct it. And, don't, and, don't and then they go, oh, wait, that guy can, oh yeah, I guess that guy can, right? And then suddenly you walk down the street and there are guys, you know, who look like me and you and they're dating random girls you wouldn't expect them to be with. And then sure. suddenly society changes a little bit. For sure. Um, what do you fear the most? <laughs> giving, cigarette, giving cigarettes to Brad Pitt in a movie when he's going into Minimart? That, is that your biggest fear? Well, that's gone. You don't have to fear that anymore. I don't... Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, to, to be honest with you, like, the greatest thing about this country, America, which it is... You know, it's a, it's 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 experiencing some interesting times, and 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 part of the problem is uh, we've taken our eye off uh, valuing education the way we probably used to, mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of people getting educated, and they're kind of at the top, and they're getting all the money, and they're getting all the things. And there's a group of people who are like, we don't need to be educated. And one of those guys is the president. Yeah. Uh, and we're better if more of us are educated. Now, obviously, that's in my best interest because the more educated you are, the less likely you are to be racist. Yeah. So I like that, yeah. right? I mean, I'm a little selfish that way. But I also think... You know, we'll 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 have a more peaceful and better society if we value, uh, you know, writing and and science and these kinds of things that I I don't think uh, you know I don't it's not President Trump's fault that he's maybe not interested in reading I, I get the feeling he's got like a you know one of those autism kind of thing where he just doesn't. But he doesn't read, right? Yeah. It's not because he can't, he doesn't want to read. I think he maybe is not very good at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that, that sounds like an insult. I'm not, I'm not, like the guy, the guy took anti-intellectualism and not reading and lying and he made it into this incredible yeah. accomplishment, which is to be president. But he did it because he's from show business and he knows how to manipulate and he tricked yeah enough people to go, he seems pretty strong and he's saying the right things. I, I'm, all, I'm all for American jobs. I'm all for production of products in America because it makes this country stronger and better. And this is the greatest country in a way because we're open to individual accomplishment and we're all about, you know, we're all about success and trying and having a dream and make, and it worked for me. I had a dream and I made it happen. I just, you know, I, I fear uh, uh, people who who turn their back on, you know, uh, on on learning, <laughs> because I'm, I, I'm I'm afraid that results in sort of this sort of uh, giving in to the 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 wild animal in us, and the wild animal in all of us is 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 a little racist and it's a little tribal and. You know, if you cut me off on the road, I know what race you are. Believe me, it comes right up into you, right? Yeah. You cut in front of me in the grocery store. I know what race you are. Yeah. It comes right there. I'm like, Ugh. and we we got to keep that down through education. Is education though what it's been like structured 
okay, high school, you go to uni for four years. Is that what you mean by education? Or do you feel like now information is so readily available, like podcasts, Wikipedia, you can consume things in totally different mediums. Like I have this argument with my fiance that I wouldn't send my kids, our kids to university. I'd rather have them travel on exchange programs because you learn more from people and interacting and in being in different countries in terms of perspective. What does education look like to you? What do you mean by education in what respect? Well, the truth of it is, is that uh, education, I mean, you should graduate from high school uh, and know how to write. And okay. I mean like know how to compose uh, a, 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 an essay. Because the fact of the matter is the people who can write in jobs, they're given a lot of uh, uh, responsibility. And, you know, my wife has a, has a, has a job as a publicist uh, in the art world. And they have a guy on staff who's their writer. Yeah. And they're like, we need to put this thing out. Give it to the writer. And he goes, blah, 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 blah. And he's involved in every single thing. Being a good writer will set you up. You have to be educated. You have to read books. You have to learn how to write. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can go, eh, writing's for nerds, right? And you're like, well, you know, suddenly you're not going to be in the game, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, math, is math that important? No, it's not, right? I mean, you should be able to count your money and you should be able to write a check and figure out how all that works out. But beyond that, is it important? No, it's not. I mean, if you're going into science, sure it is, yeah. right? But, you know, is geometry that important? I mean, you know, no, it's not. It, it can be if you're in rocket science, but okay, you know, we're, most of us are not. But it, education, really, what it is, is it's, it's again, it's like human networking. Mm -hmm. It's like the people you meet in the age when you have no ambition from 18 to 22 are incredible friends. Right, people where you're not trying to get something out of them, and you're not, yeah. oh, come on, give me some money, and the, that's that's that age, eighteen to frankly twenty-five, and and you make such good friends, and then those friends can help you get on with whatever business you want to do in life. But if you don't have that network, you're out there hoping for the best. And in your case, with your kids, they're going to be traveling around the thing. They're going to meet people in different places, and maybe they'll go start some business wherever they travel. Yeah, for sure. I would say they'd be better off, you know, I mean, the smartest people uh, are the most connected people are the ones who go to college in a city they end up living in. Yeah, the and NBA I know, crowd. I know hundreds of people in New York. Hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Because I went to Colby. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I'll make sure my uh, wife doesn't watch this interview. Um, <laughs> uh, a few more questions and a bunch of rapid fire, then we're good to go. Um, what role has your South Asian identity or has played in your life or continues to play or does it even play a role anymore because you're, you, you're, you're successful, you're a successful human beings. Is, it, is that a tough question to answer now or? No. You know, Indians have no, uh, sizable tribe in America, right? Yeah. Like, there's white Americans, black Americans, there's Latinos, which is like, there's a whole mix of a whole bunch of countries. Yeah. So are whites, obviously, so are blacks. But uh, we don't have the numbers. Yeah. As it is. You know, I mean, we have a small group of people who luckily are doing pretty well financially and luckily read a lot of books. So you can sell books as an Indian because yeah. Indians buy books. Um, and it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's like, for example, if you're a black comic and you make a great movie and everybody hears about it, like the black community alone can propel the movie to a success. Yeah. 13%. Tyler Perry, yeah. right? I mean, he doesn't need white people. He has some, but he doesn't need them. Right. Uh, if you're a white person and you make a great movie, the white community can propel you to success. Latinos, sure. I mean, you know, half of our music in radio is in Spanish language because it's a massive market. And we saw it with Asians, with Crazy Rich Asians, it was 
number 10 in the top 10 for a really long time. But sorry. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, and Indians, you know, you know that movie Crazy Rich Asians didn't do well in China? Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, it did well in all the expat communities around the yeah. world. Oh, I didn't know that. China, they didn't. They I didn't. fucking loved it. I did too. That yeah. was good. Yeah. But, you know, Indians are, uh, we're too small uh, a, a, a tribe here. And the value of the Indian market has, is only now starting to grow. Um, also a very and, diverse crowd too. Cause for example, you're South Indian, I'm North Indian. We have nothing yeah. in common, like nothing. Like I have more in common with Pakistanis or like other no, Indians and no. you have more in common with Sri Lankans. Yeah. Cause you speak the same uh, language. You eat a totally different food. Uh, our languages are two total different languages. We're just, you know, grouped together because, you know, but I still think that's not an excuse. I do think we haven't come out and I, you're right. Maybe it's just the numbers. Maybe it's the numbers. Well, the point is this, is that I can't, uh, I can't commit crimes, right? And, and, and Indians shouldn't commit crimes because if we go into prison, the white, power no. guys, white power guys aren't going to let us join. We don't have a squad. Yeah. The, the Latino guys are like, maybe, right? We're kind of brown. The black guys, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So as a result, it forces us to be much better behaved. Uh, <laughs> that's a sure. great, is that a bit? You have to make, no. that's a yeah, great. I've, fuck, read, I've written it down. but I, That's but a great true. fucking bit. That's a great fucking <laughs> bit. It's right. Make sure you do that. Otherwise, I'm stealing that. I'm putting that in my book file. I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, that's a great uh, fucking bit. But it's it's also true. It is true, though. Yeah. And in show business, for me, I, I mean, if I didn't appeal to, I mean, look, our our fan base is for Super Troopers is majority white. Yeah. There's some black fans for sure. Yeah. Uh, our fan base for Beer Fest is majority white, but oh, a yeah. massive group of Latinos are in the group. Oh, really? Like, if I go to Dodger Stadium, it's like I'm Brad Pitt. No way. I mean, the amount of people, Latinos, who come up to me, they're like, hey, oh, man. <laughs> they love this movie, right? Yeah. So I've had to sort of a little dance on a dime and try to be able to appeal we got a lot of black fans too by the way yeah about to kind of appeal to a lot of different i, I can't make a tyler perry type movie for indians because there aren't enough of us and, and that's a really good point and showbiz knows that and they're like well you know we don't want to make a movie just about indians because who's gonna go right i mean i think crazy Asians proved that wrong because they have the same they have, they have more numbers than we do but but um you know, they did such a good job with that film. What, what do you think we need to be doing better as a community, even in your, even in your industry or in just in general, from observing, um, being observant? Because we, we do occupy more space politically and in, in, in entertainment than we did when you first started out in 96, 95. We were like non-existent then. Yeah. Now we occupy a lot more space. What do you see that, what do you see what you're not happy with, something that you're not happy with, that we need to work with, work on? Well, it's sort of what I talked about before. It's like this, you know, people in the Indian community have a sense of what we should be, right? Yeah. And I understand it. It's like, you don't want to draw negative attention to Indians, you know, because we don't want, we don't want to be fucking, you know, we don't want people to be like, you damn Indians, right? Yeah. And so they, you know, there's a desire on the part of uh, older Indians for you to conform to their way. And and uh, I I would I tend to disagree with with that viewpoint. And and that's that's uh, and as a result, I think some people would dismiss the R-rated comedy from me, who are even Indians, who would, who would dismiss sure. it and go, well, you know, you're not sophisticated. I mean, I'm just as, as, as educated and as smart as any of these fuckers. <laughs> I, 
to make R-rated movies. That has to be the clip for the fucking video. That has to be the clip. I chose to make R-rated movies because I love them. And frankly, yeah. <laughs> this country, the story of this country is about immigrants coming here and their children, you know, succeeding in the system. Like, should I have made movies uh, about my minority status? Maybe, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I punched through. And I made movies about whatever. I just happen to be, uh, 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 my, my race is not relevant to the film. Just like most of my life, I walk around, my race is not terribly relevant. I have friends and we don't go, hey, you're the Indian guy. <laughs> it doesn't really, it's not really how life really is. In the just movies, at home, just, just at home at your kids, you're like, hey, right. you're, you're the Indian guy. In the movies, it's like, oh, there's an Indian guy. Let's react to him. For sure. You know? And in real life, it's, thank God, the society is not really like that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I thought it was, you know, and I'm just one step on the evolution to whatever's next, right? I mean, they're Indian congressmen now, right? I mean, that, uh, that uh, woman from South Carolina, Nikki Haley, you know, she's kissing so many booths to try to get that vice presidency job. She's got just ambition oozing out of her Indian yeah. force. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I'm ashamed of her, her, <laughs> her behavior. We I mean, all she, are, we all know, are. You know what I'm ashamed of? is her anti-intellectualism. She's a very clever, smart Indian woman, and she's pretending that she doesn't for sure in brains. I, I'm not against her for being a Republican. a Republican, though, frankly, how could you be? But okay, she did that. <laughs> I, I accept her and Bobby Jindal, <laughs> but I don't accept the anti-intellectualism because it's like, that's not who we are. That's not why we've made it in this country, we didn't make it by, by turning our back, backs on uh, the language and our brains. Sure. That's not why we made it. Um, that's a great answer. Uh, I have a, co- a couple of rapid fire, then we're good to go. Um, a, a book and or a movie that has significantly impacted your life that you feel like people should go watch or read? You know, my favorite author is this guy, John Irving. He's from New Hampshire, and he wrote a book called The Prayer for Owen Meany. Um, He's just an incredible storyteller. And uh, he also wrote World According to Garp. But I'll tell you something else. I read these books, the Game of Thrones books, and uh, there are five of them, about a thousand pages each. And they, the way this guy tells stories is, you know, you think you know it from watching the TV show, uh, but that's about... Uh, uh, maybe a third of the real story. Yeah. Like the real story is so incredible and complex and, and, and surprising and fantastic. And I think those Game of Thrones books are just special. Uh, you know, any films? What, what's that? Any, any films? I mean, you know, the, the movies of John Landis are the films that I loved the most Animal House, Blues Brothers, Trading Places. I think 48 Hours is the greatest film uh, of all time because I think it's so funny and it's so violent. 48 Hours, Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. It's a little racial and it's violent and it's funny. Very 80s. Those are all 80s films, right? Those are very very 80s. Very 80s. Yeah. Uh, There's a documentary by Errol Morris called Vernon, Florida, which is like, it's about uh, a town in Northern Florida. And Errol Morris, uh, he's a documentarian. He heard they were cutting their, their fingers and their toes off to get insurance money. So he went down wow. to this town and said, could I, yeah, they weren't doing well financially. So he said, can I interview you? And he started interviewing them. And they're like, if you uh, tell people about our scam, we're going to kill you. And he goes, okay, can I make a movie about you guys? Because you're so funny and interesting. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll tell you all about life. <laughs> and the movie is so funny. And by the way, it's a great stoner movie. I mean, you rarely have a stoner documentary, but it's so funny. And if you get high and watch that movie, you will learn all sorts of like interesting philosophies that they have. And, and you'll notice that some of them have nubs 
of fingers missing. Wow. And it's pretty, it's a pretty incredible, uh, pretty incredible. Film. What's the uh, dumbest thing you've bought? Okay. The dumbest thing I bought when I was in, um, a senior in college, uh, high oh, school. Before you got money. Okay, this is interesting. <laughs> I was in high school, yeah. and I worked for two weeks um, at an antique show at my high school, parking cars as like a whatever, a valet. Yeah. Me and my friends, we parked cars. Made, I made like uh, 200 bucks. And I took my girlfriend uh, out to the Hard Rock Cafe for lunch. Classy. We were kind of, yeah, so. <laughs> coming out of there, and... Um, you know, I thought I wanted to make movies at, at 18. I didn't really know how that would work or whatever. And I'm like, I really want to do that. And maybe I'll, I don't know, maybe I'll get a video camera and start shooting. And I come walking out of this hard rock and this guy's like, hey, you want to buy a camera? And I'm like, a video camera? He goes, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, I actually do want to buy a video camera. And he, go, and he goes, and I'm like, uh is it stolen and he goes no 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 my friend uh has a video camera store and they ordered too many of last year's model and so he's just trying to get rid of them and uh and so that he can make room for the new ones in the in the store and i'm like yeah okay and uh and i'm like how much and he goes 250 yeah. and i'm like well i just spent 30 bucks at hard rock so i've got 170 bucks and he goes, no way, no, no way. He goes, 200. I'm like, I literally have 170 bucks. <laughs> 170 or nothing. And he goes, all right, but I'm getting ripped off here. <laughs> so I'm like, you have the camera here? And he goes, no, I don't have it on me. I'll have to get it. He goes, let me here tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So I go home, and at like noon, <laughs> my mom calls, and she goes, there's a Leon on the phone for you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, this is my my friend. Yeah. And she's on the phone listening, and he goes, come down here, da, da, da. And I hang up. My mom's like, are you buying a stolen camera? And I'm like, no, no, of course I'm not buying a stolen camera. You just have too many. They're too many. <laughs> buy this camera. And so uh she's like, I'll buy you a camera. Don't buy a stolen camera. And yeah. I'm like, is that a stolen camera? Right? So I end up going downtown and I meet this dude and we're like on the street outside the hard rock. And he goes, you got the money? And I'm like, you got the camera? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I got the camera. And he opens his trunk and there it is. It's a fucking brand new camera in it's wrapped in plastic. It's, yeah. it's, it's the camera, right? Perfectly. It's new. It's clearly new. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, Okay, so I count the money out and I give it to him and I go to grab it. He goes, no, no, open your trunk. I'll get, let's make the move real quick. We got to do this fast. And a siren goes off somewhere in the distance and he goes, we better move. And I'm wow. like, okay, I know these are stolen. <laughs> he takes it and he puts it into my trunk, closes the door. He goes, nice doing business with you. And he gets it, car drives off. And I'm like, holy shit, I got a camera. I'm about to make movies, right? And I drive to my friend uh, 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 Vinod's house, Vinod Badrinath. Um, he's the guy I changed. I, I played Barry Badrinath in, uh, in Beer Fest. That's Vin's last name, Vin. Vin. And so we, I pick up the box and I go into his house. We go up to his room and we, we're kind of, we're psyched. We're like, oh, we're going to make a movie tonight. And we, we cut the plastic off and we pull it off and... There are pictures of the camera that fall oh out of the God. plastic. They've been cut and they've been, you know, they're in the plastic. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Must be because they must put it in a new box when it comes off the truck and they put it in a real, right? And we're kind of opening the box. We're pulling out peanuts and he pulls out a brick. And I'm like, must be because of the weight <laughs> of the truck. You got to put a brick in there and we're pulling out more peanuts, more bricks, or six bricks. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God. Leon, Leon, Leon. Oh my God. And you couldn't call the cops because you're like, what are you going to do? Say you bought a stolen camera and you didn't get it. And so I was like, and I told my dad, and he said, you know, this is a good lesson for you. 
because there's no such thing as a really, really good deal. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Especially when the guy says, I just, I, we had too many. We just had too many. Um, that's a great story. Um, this has been such an incredible interview. It's been like a really fun hour. Uh, I laughed a lot. I learned a ton. And I feel like your insight is going to be super valuable for people who want to pursue the same um, path that you have or even other paths. Uh, I feel like you're on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, so when it comes to legacy, you're on there. Uh, and we'll try to keep you on for another 20, 30 years. I can't guarantee, I can't guarantee you'll be on there all the time, the whole time. But uh, Jay, you've done such a great job and thank you so much for participating. This means a lot. Good luck. Good luck to all you people who are trying to come take my job. <laughs>